the why is very big for me. Um, and the first thing that she told me is, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge you. I'm not gonna do any of that. But I want you to know that I too struggle, um, with mental health as well. And every good therapist has a better therapist. And when she said that, that's what did it for me. That's what made me feel comfortable with this lady. So, yeah. Once, once she told me that, we were kind of locked in, man. I never grew up with educators that look like myself. So I feel like honestly, like we are that new wave that make being wise, being smart, being educated cool, right? Wisdom is is a powerful tool, but oftentimes we might neglect it because of who it's coming from. You feel me? But if we can chop it up with a young buck and really implant a seed, man, like that's it's more than just education at that point. You know what I'm saying? What's going on, beautiful people? This is the Let's Grow Together podcast where diverse individuals and communities come to serve, connect and grow in the areas that they're most passionate about. I'm back again, man, with my brother Marcus, as always. How you feeling, brother? All is well. All is well. Ready to eat some turkey and sit back <laughs> and not do nothing, boy. I'm I'm so excited to not have to host. <laughs> I ain't gonna cap. It's good to be going somewhere else, kicking my feet back. Um, but again, all is well, man, in a good headspace, ready to rock and roll, ready to sit down and take a break. Yeah. And then tune back into life a little bit. So excited to come up for air as it's relevant as I within our conversation today, man. But um, outside that, no no huge updates. I'm kind of cooling, man. I'm coasting and um, just meditating, getting ready for this gala. A lot of big activities. Really ready to just close out the year to keep it a buck, man. Yeah. I think so many individuals in our space are just grind, grind, grind. Now it's like start coasting a little bit, start pumping the brakes. And um, get ready to chill and get right back to it when January comes. So that's what we are, man. What's going on with you, brother? Man, that's that's so real, man. Um, I'm so glad, like, because Thanksgiving is this week. Uh, a lot of the schools that we work with, we didn't have programs for. So uh, it was just right. an opportunity for us to just kind of uh, dial back, man, refocus, do some other stuff. But uh, mainly we're getting ready for that restorative practices conference that I told you about uh, coming up in January. So we're just in the process of still doing a lot of logistical planning stuff for that but uh man really just at basically goal setting and getting ready for the next year man uh that, that's pretty much where we're at and then um just had like a my girl had like a, a sister given at the crib uh it was supposed to just be her and her, her sisters but they ended up bringing their kids and uh it was it was just dope man but uh they one of them broke something on the toilet so she was upset about that so we you know so so just the piece of, about hosting is um it's one of those things where man you always gotta be mindful of everybody but also making sure everybody having a good time but uh we got a lot of like leftover stuff at the crib so I'm excited to to get into all of that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that is the best thing about hosting. You always gonna have the the scraps, the leftovers. You get to get right do your thing. But um, right. I feel it. We're actually traveling to Winston Salem to to see my my girl's family, okay. and it's a lot more of like the tenured older folks. Gotcha. So that's always really dope, especially to connect Avery with individuals who are, you know, a little bit more seasoned in the family where she's able to make those memories yeah. and things of that nature. Um, that's one thing I advocate for having kids at a little bit of a younger age, man. Like I never got to see my grandparents on my dad's side. Like, I just hear stories. I was actually talking to him about that recently and I was just like, yeah, I just remember stories. I don't remember no, no more details, but yeah, yeah. being able to connect the dots for Avery has been huge, man. But um, cool. But as always, man, we, we like to implement guests and somebody different to really have a new perspective to add to the conversation. And today we definitely got a dope individual, man, my guy, Alex. So as we welcome him on, man, 
just want to give y'all some brief insight uh, about my brother, man. Alex is a, is a dope young man. I had the opportunity to cross paths with at Fayetteville State. And one thing he's huge on is mental health. Ever since I first met him, I think that was the first conversation we had off jump. And he never really shied away from the conversation like most individuals do. Off jump, he let me know that's what he's pushing. That's what he wants to tap into. So we decided to really pick his brain today and um, learn a little bit more about some of the great things he's doing uh, on Fayetteville State campus and within the community as well. So welcome on my brother, Alex. What's going on, Alex? How you, man? What's going on, man? Uh, I'm thankful to be here. I want to uh, appreciate, uh, I want to extend the gratitude to both of y'all, man, for having me on, you know. Um, it's an honor, man. Like I said, I, I watch the show and, and I appreciate the transparency uh, between the both of you as well. So I look forward to the conversation, man. Respect, respect. Nah, I appreciate it. It means good. We always like having people on the other end who are now in front of the camera, right? So now you can really tap into the action, man. But um, one, just get the people a little bit of background ground about yourself, man. Just a quick synopsis of your mom. Okay, so um, originally I'm um from a husky, North Carolina, born, uh, raised in Tampa, Florida. Mom was in the military, moved around quite a bit. Um, around 2015, I moved to Atlanta myself, where uh. Did a couple of things in like the entertainment industry, acting, modeling, things of that nature. Ended up joining um, the military where I still serve. Um, and I actually started getting more into mental health when I joined the military uh, from a from an advocacy, advocacy uh, standpoint. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of background about myself, man. I'm just uh, pushing the narrative of breaking the stigma of uh, mental health and black men and, and those that look like us. Mm. Respect, respect. Nah, again, I think the first conversation we had, bro, brought up mental health. I'm like, oh yeah, he don't play. He's serious about it, right? So I want to, I want to, I want to hear a little bit about that. So I know just personally, right? Mm -hmm. Your mom recently passed, and I think that was like a very imperative time frame for you, just really tapping in from a mental health standpoint. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear just a little bit, a little bit of background about that of your mom. Okay, so uh, the background on that is, um, so yeah, my mom passed in December. But that situation, it, it was a lot of uh, open wounds from that situation. So um, it stemmed back until 2019, where I actually lost my daughter. Um, my daughter passed away in March. We had a walk for her at the hospital that she passed away at. And my mom came down to uh, join us on the walk. On the way back, my mom started feeling pain in her leg. Um, so she ended up driving herself to the hospital. That was... Uh, a life-changing event she had a stroke while she was in the hospital um home and you know continued life a little bit longer then october came um she had pain again in that leg she ended up having to have uh emergency um amputation and while she was in the hospital she ended up um having about nine strokes um they ended up putting her on life support and um that was a, a traumatic event for me and myself because I am the only child, you know, my dad was never around. So um, a lot of emotion. And on about day five of being in the uh, the ITU, I had to to make the, the decision to take my mom off of life support. Um, when I took her off life support, they told us that she wasn't gonna leave the hospital. My mom ended up living three years later. So I lived with a whole bunch of regret and all of uh, that type of stuff. So. Um, mental health became a, a huge thing for me. I went through depression, anxiety, a lot of things of that nature. And then <clears throat> fast forward, you know, she got better. They said she was not going to leave. She left, got back healthy. Um, she started talking again. I was uh, taking care of her, me and my wife. And then December, we got a random call 
um, saying that her stomach was hurting, took her to the hospital. And um, she had a, 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 it wasn't a routine surgery. The first surgery, it was about 13 hours. Um, the doctors told us that it was gonna be good. She came out of surgery good. Um, she was still kind of lethargic after the surgery. And I told the doctors, I'm like, well, this is my mom. She's not back to her baseline yet. So could we run some more tests? So they did another CT scan. And they uh, noticed that she had a leakage um, in her intestines. So Doc came back in, told me, hey, it's a routine procedure. Usually takes about 30 minutes. And um, I don't know if y'all know, some hospitals have the little uh, uh, check-in text where they can tell you when your, uh, your family member goes under anesthesia and they update you on the surgery. So throughout the 13-hour surgery, I kept getting updates. So the one that took 30 minutes, um, they never told me anything. Um, so... When I, I sent the text message to them to see how my mom was doing, the doctor came back in and told me that my mom had a, a heart uh, issue and she passed away on the table. So she never made it into surgery. So, yeah, man, um, that's a little bit of background about my mom's situation. But, yeah, it, it was a it was definitely and still is a, a hard thing to go through um, losing your parent, especially your mom. Um, they always say, like, statistically, that's the hardest loss that you'll take. So, yeah, man, that's that's the background on that. Man, um, so first off, my condolences. That's that's just it's crazy to go through, um, for anybody, and especially like you said, it being a parent, somebody that's so close to you. Um, I know it just hits that much harder. But um, I know you mentioned that your mom was in the military as well. Did did her being in the military play a role in you you joining also, or was that just something that you just kind of saw it being a a dope and beneficial path for yourself? So it did. It played a huge part in me going because um. My mom, she she suffered with mental health uh, issues, um, which is why I, I I dove into mental health so hard because I believe that her story needs to be told as well. So, um, she was in the military and she was in Germany and she got sexually assaulted while she was in the military, and that's what kind of drove me to go in to kind of change that narrative as well, like dealing with uh, sexual assault, um, sexual harassment, and mental health in the military. So, yeah, she she definitely played a huge um, role in me going, but. It's also like a family thing. Everyone in my family does at least one term in the military. If you like it, you stay. If you don't, you get out. You know you served it. You yeah, served yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can respect that. I can respect that. Nah, that, that's real. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the coping mechanisms you really learned. Um, I had the opportunity to recently be on a panel with you for mental health. And, um, bro, we had a dope conversation. We had a really dope conversation. Um, but I want to learn just from you personally, right? What are some coping mechanisms that you have in play? I know therapy was one, but love to just get a little bit of insight as well, um, as I know that is one thing that you really stress uh, for black men in today's society. Yeah, so um, therapy is, is probably the hugest thing um, because just getting that unbiased opinion to, you know, get the science behind it. You know, we all we all have those blind spots that we don't see. And, you know, no matter how strong we are, how resilient we are, um, we also we always need those people that that can um, highlight those things that we don't see. So therapy has been huge for me. Um, I'm real big on journaling um, as well. So um, after a long day, I might get my phone, start just texting away. Or um, as you know, on the panel, um, brother Ad, he he had those journals, um, and and I recently purchased one of those. So I've been using that as well during the 90 day challenge. So um, journaling and therapy have been my hugest uh, coping mechanisms, bro. So, so when you when you journal, what what exactly are you writing? Just thoughts that you're having? Are you writing affirmations? Like, what are you actually writing down? Um, it depends. So, so I do have days where um, you know, things may not be as easy as other days where I do have to um, actually, um, 
it's crazy that you said that about affirmations. So my wife um made me a jar and she wrote a whole bunch of affirmations in it. So I have that sitting on my desk at work. Um and whenever, you know, I'm I'm feeling down, I'll I'll pull something out of that that jar. But those are the affirmations that I get. However, I do kind of um if I'm having a bad day, I'll write down you got it or you're resilient. You are enough. So my brand is untamed resilience. So the you are is important. So I'll write you are enough. You are who you want to be. Things of that nature. So I do write down affirmations. But most of the time, it's just um, brain dumping, man. Just what I'm going through, thoughts that's going through my head, things I don't really feel comfortable talking to people about. One thing that. One one thing that we really stress, well, uh, personally, I can really say I'm I fall in love with it. It's just the thought process of being able to come up for for air. Um, we talked about it a little bit in, in the beginning, but oftentimes, uh, and again, James and I have this conversation all the time, especially from a nonprofit standpoint, working with a bunch of youth, really taking on a lot of that different trauma that a lot of our youth may be just kind of telling us, um, and in the midst of trauma dumping, right? It's very vital to be able to come up for air. And if it's in the midst of journaling, if it's working out, whatever that is, it's so vital to be able to find. And um, I know just in having a conversation with you, your process for finding your therapist was a little bit unique as well. I know mine was a little bit smoother, but everybody kind of has their own. And for those kind of looking to find a therapist, would you mind giving us a little bit of game on how you went about that? So, yeah, um, me finding my therapist, it, it was, as you know, it, it was kind of rough. Um, I went through about three or four therapists before I found the one that was actually like I felt was tailored to me. Um, the first question I always ask people, well, therapists is what made you become a therapist? And the first time I went to a therapist, it was it was a, a black guy. And, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a lot more comfortable because usually in the military we have, you know, people that don't look like us. And even out in the community here, there aren't that many black therapists. So. I went to a therapist. I asked him, so, hey, what makes you what made you want to be a therapist? And he no lie looked at me and told me that he saw a, a guy on TV one day and that's what he wanted to do. So when he said that, I never went back. Mm -hmm. um, I, I struggled finding other people that kind of just relate to me and kind of gave me the feedback that I felt that I needed um, until I, I found one lady who who was very uh, instrumental in, in coping with my mom's um, um, demise. So. Yeah, it, it took me a while, but I think um, finding that person that just fits you, um, the, the why, the why is very big for me. Um, and the first thing that she told me is, I'm not going to I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to do any of that. But I want you to know that I, too, struggle um, with mental health as well. And every good therapist has a better therapist. And when she said that, that's what did it for me. That's what made me feel comfortable with this lady. So, yeah, once once she told me that we were kind of locked in, man. Man, that's that, that's dope. That's super dope because um, I was just about to ask, like, how do you know that it's a good fit? Because, you know, you said everyone needs that unbiased opinion, but you also said that you felt that there were therapists that didn't give you the advice that you, you thought you needed. So, um, but you then you clarified it by saying that, um, you know, she said that every therapist has a great therapist. So, Because I, I, I was wondering because I'm in search of, of a therapist myself now. Um, and it's just been one of those things where, of course, I definitely want someone that looks like myself, but it's like I also just want somebody that's qualified to give me the the, the feedback that I that I'm looking for. So um, thank you so much for that, because that's that's super dope. But um, uh, Marcus said that uh, you do a lot of work on uh, Fayetteville's campus campus and uh, uh, you're a part of NAMI uh, or, or you work with NAMI. How did how did that come about? Like, How did you start working with them? 
Um, I actually met one of Marcus's, uh, the, the day that I met Marcus, actually, I met Javian Green and we talked about mental health as well. You know, he has his struggles and I had my struggles and we kind of hit it off and he was transparent with me. I was transparent with him. So he was like, Hey man, I, I want to get together. I know, um, I see you on Instagram. I see that what you stand for. I see what you're trying to do. And I think we should partner up one day. So, you know, months go by and he, he hit me up one day and he was like, Hey man, um, I think we're going to try to bring a NAMI chapter to Fayetteville State. And I was like, hey, man, if you, you know, if you, you can do it, let me know. And no lie, he, he did it. So he, he let me know. He asked me that I want to be on the e-board. So it, it's been all she wrote ever since. That's dope. That's what I mean. And we had yeah. Davian, Davian on the podcast, too. So so the squad is definitely familiar with a super, oh, yeah. super dope jet. But um, NAMI is a big thing for you, but I also know Kappa is as well, right? And I know it's two different realms, but I want to really ask you, how has the brotherhood been so supportive and really been just a pillar in the midst of mental health for you as well, too, personally? Especially being an only child, I heard you mention. Oh, yeah. So um, the brotherhood is is definitely um, um, showing me support. And we actually have a committee with Kappa. Uh, it's called a Good Health Committee um, and the Health Wins Committee, where you travel around and, and you talk about mental health and physical health and how they coincide with each other. So um, one of our chapter brothers here at Fayetteville State, um, uh, brother Brandon Billings, he was actually a part of that. So I, I kind of talked back and forth with him on um, things that he's going to be doing. But all the events that I've spoken at, they, they've been supportive. Um, we, we're actually partnering um, with, with, with your brothers on an event coming up uh, next week to do a mental health event. So um the brotherhood has been good, man. It's been supportive. Um, the older brothers, they they they've been commending me a lot. Um, one of my my pros is actually uh, he my actually my club. He he's a um, he's a therapist as well, so he definitely checks in on me and makes sure that I keep my head on straight. Because you can also lose yourself in this mental health stuff, man. Because you you always taking care of other people, and you kind of you kind of lose sight for yourself. So yeah, I, I would say that the brotherhood has been very helpful, man. Now that's dope. It's it's very imperative just to have a village around you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And even at the forum, seeing seeing some of your brothers pull up, that was dope. I, I love the unity. <clears throat> the unification is beyond vital, but uh, I've noticed a lot of people really love being a part of a squad or a part of something collective bigger than them because of the support. And oftentimes, right, us as, as humans were made to be in a village, right? Again, every and even ever since like the beginning of history, we've lived in communities right we're really big on the collaboration and the collective so just to know that you have that village is, is really dope um i want to talk a little bit about from a mastermind perspective right um mm -hmm. i know that was one thing you were able to really tap into as well um i love just to get a little bit of background on your perspective how what that really did for you as we talk about village and community as well okay you, you talking about when we were on the call yeah 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 so it, it did a lot for me man because uh like I said, you, you've always been transparent. You, you brought me in like I was one of your own, you know, and you gave us the word. We talked and it was it was genuine. It was love, man. I, I left the, the conversation feeling refreshed and knowing that, you know, there are people that look like me that don't mind talking about what they're going through in life. Because oftentimes, man, we don't have those conversations and, and a lot of people shy away from those. So um, the transparency is, is the main thing that I got from it, man. And it's like it, it, it wanted me like it made me want to get my brothers together and be like, hey, man, we need to start, you know what I'm saying, talking. So I've been trying to do that more with, with my LBs, my brothers that I grew up with and stuff like that. So I've been trying to schedule times with them to do the same thing. So it, it was very inspirational, man. And, and I, like I said, I, I always uh, applaud your transparency on it, man, because it, it definitely opened my eyes because I wasn't used to 
you know, people just being like, like welcoming of you and, and, and allowing you in their space to talk about their personal things. And that's one, that's something that I experienced it, um, with that conversation, man. And I definitely appreciate it, bro. Bro, that's 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 what the the power of the mastermind is all about. Um, yep. and that's something that that we practice and preach every day. Um, we talk about re- being restorative, man. This is something that was Aboriginal to us all. That was that was that was basically here before we were, and it was just one of those things it's about building community, bro. That's really all it was. It's about coming together, being vulnerable, just having conversations, and and like I said, building community and doing things that aren't necessarily, um being done because um when you look around there's not a lot of spaces for you to do that so um man shout out to marcus for for setting that up um yeah i want to i want to pivot a little bit man i saw that um you are a, a bit of a, a real estate investor and developer man tell me or tell our audience um how you how you got into real estate um what was your aha moment that let you know this was the lane you wanted to go down as well <laughs> it is crazy how, how everything uh like correlates so when I was young, um, my mom, like I said, she suffered from um, mental health uh, issues herself. And one of the things that we used to do when we lived in Tampa is we would go to look at big houses and she would tell me, hey, you, you're going to have one of those one day. You're going to have one of those. And that's where I developed the love for real estate from. Um, so now I just basically aim to help those in underserved communities develop and, and like have opportunities in real estate that we don't normally get with people that look like us, you may not have the funding or, or sources of that nature. So yeah, man, that, that's how I got into it. Cause it, it, it actually coincided with the mental health uh, coping mechanism of my mom. And that's one of the things we used to do together that like would open my eyes and be like, yo, like, dang, I might be able to own one of these one day. So that was my, my, um, my want and getting into it when I lived in Atlanta, um, I moved down there on a modeling and acting contract. So I was in between gigs, doing extra work and things of that nature. And, you know, things got slow. So this lady named um, by the name of Amy McCoy gave me an opportunity to become uh, her social media marketing guy. And I saw how she was like, she was, she was killing the market, man, just helping people um, in the West part, the West side of Atlanta, where people were impoverished. And, you know, I was seeing how she was changing their lives real estate and i grew a love into it man so when i moved back to north carolina i started doing um my own research looking at uh max maxwell people of that that nature um so yeah that that was how i got into it man so how long have you been devlin oh yeah uh how long have you been devlin about since 2016 15 well yeah 15 end of 2015 um but yeah end of 2015 because it was right before i came into the military so, so what are you doing? Are you buying and holding? Are you flipping them, wholesaling? Like what, what do you traditionally do? Yeah, so wholesaling um, is what I do historically. But right now, I'm trying to get into the container homes, man. Like the, the things that you see on the back of uh, the semi-trucks, trying to trying to get those and build like yeah. little Airbnbs and stuff. So I'm working with one of my um, – he's a Kappa as well, working with him to – he's been wholesaling land. So I'm trying to partner with him um Tyshawn Adams I'm pretty sure you know him Marcus he's he does a lot of work in the community as well um so we're trying to we're trying to get some land get some containers put it up there um do like a little like a little resort in the country you know man-made lake get some paddle boards out there so that's the biggest thing that's the biggest project that I'm trying to do right now um yeah so that we we've been we've had some setbacks um in that definitely, you know, you, you might talk to somebody who says, hey, they, they want some land and then they get bought out by uh, a big commercial investor or, or things of that nature, or they have like cash up front. And, you know, sometimes like 
when you when you dealing with land, bro, you you gotta have you gotta have a coin, man. So yeah, that we we've had some setbacks, but it's definitely more to follow, man. That's fire, bro. That's fire. So again, just kind of knowing you, I know that you're really big on being an advocate for others. Um, mm -hmm. I want to know just what are what are some avenues that you're really dabbling in right now? I know we talked about NAMI, we talked about capital, but like, what type of vision do you have long term, and what are you really working on implementing as far as Im impacting the youth at this moment? Um, so with my my company, the uh, Untamed Resilience, so I'm, I'm trying to get that under my feet to basically spread awareness. Um, like I am still active duty, so uh, me and Javian, we're we're trying to work with the military to figure out ways to better serve veterans um, to stop the suicide rate. So that that's my biggest goal um, when it comes to mental health right now. Um, I started this thing at work uh, called Mental Health Monday. So every Monday we get together. So um, I'm a platoon sergeant right now in um, USASOC, and we, we house anywhere between 60 to 400 soldiers at a time. Um, so they're, they're coming in and out every week. So on Mondays, um, I, I pick a word, we talk about mental health and things of that nature, see if they need help. I tell them about NAMI, um, give them resources to suicide prevention. But um, the the military is very underserved when it comes to access to therapists and behavioral health specialists. So that's the biggest thing that we're trying to do right now is bridge the gap between veterans and the mental health system. That's, that's actually, that's pretty um, crazy to think about. I would think that the military had would have better um, services in terms of mental health. That, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, we so they we have a, a good system. So I, I'm not gonna say we don't. However, the 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 spike in mental health um, over the past two years is like it's been tremendous. So a lot of people are trying to go get seen. You have people that are coming back from war. You know that it was just the end of the war. So you have people trying to, that like are at the tail end of their career. They're trying to get their disability. They're trying to go and get seen for PTSD, things of that nature. And then you have people that are coming in who use mental health as like a, a um, like they treat it like a trend. So they try to go in just to, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, if I go here, if I go to sit call and go to mental health, I can I can get out the military and I'll, I'll, I'll be set for life. So it, it's two sides of the spectrum, two sides of the spectrum. But I think the biggest thing is um, they're so booked up. Um, I talked to a young man last week and he came to me and he was talking about getting a, an appointment and they're booked up until May. I'm not even going to be my unit in May. So it's like wow. if, if you need that immediate need, you, you can't wait till May. Right. So I, I that's that's a. A, a huge problem that we have right now, especially with the, the 12 suicides a day and the increase in numbers that, that we're experiencing um, during this time. Mm. That So that that's really unique. Again, to James' point, that, that kind of does surprise me. But hearing your logic with that, it makes a lot of sense, right? It's just uh, more demand than there is supply, ultimately, yeah. is really what yeah. it sounds like. So I, I can understand that. I want to talk a little bit about tainted systems. That's one component. Um, bro, as we talked about on the panel, like just being a black man in today's society, like, bro, I feel like it's draining, like to keep it a buck, bro. Um, especially when you're really pouring into others, not getting poured back into, especially when you're seeing all the tainted systems from a, a juvenile justice perspective and things that appear to be so broad. It's like, I don't even know how to tackle it. All right. I just want to ask y'all just as black men on the call as well. Like, how do y'all go about facing the mental health with things outside of your, your realm? Right. When it comes to, your ma and things that come with life, right? We know that death is inevitable. You know what I'm saying? That's one component. But when it comes to systems that are tainted, that we're working to overcome, 
how do you all go about really working through that? I just want to ask y'all personally. I'm, I'm going to give it to you first, Alex. <laughs> okay. So I, I think um, the biggest thing is advocating, man. Um, mm. we, we, we discover and, and select the things that we want to change and get behind it. Do I, um, the necessary research to, to get those things fixed. Um, like you said, it's a lot of tainted systems, especially with being black men in America, man. Like, one thing that's tainted is, is the mindset that and, and that's where it starts. You talk about mental health. Mental health is, is the number one thing it deals with is the mind. So every thought that you've ever thought is why you're where you're at. So if we don't change our mindsets, we can't even think to to think to, to change a whole tainted system. So I think we have to advocate to change the stigma. But in, in, with us first, before even, you know, attempting to change a system. But I do think we have to. um identify those systems that we want to change and then just come together and advocate, man. That's the biggest thing right now. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's not too many people that want to advocate. You know, everybody's so like, it's a hard conversation to have and nobody wants to have the hard conversation and mental health is, is, is big on accountability. And that's a lot. That's, that's something that we, we, we run away from in our community is accountability, man. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's extremely real. Um, but along with like being an advocate for it, I would also say, man, just educate yourself on, the system that's in place. Um, I know yep. a lot of times, you know, we're out here trying to fight this battle and we don't know what we're fighting up against. So I would say whatever it is, whatever that system is, as many as they are, like figure out what that system is because now that I know that it exists, I know how it operates, I can now figure out how to disarm it. Um, and I think that is the way that you you chip at it. And, and it's one of those things where you can't aim to uh, – do too much and you know at first right you, it's something that you pick at every day you're consistent at it you're, you're building at it because i think sometimes what what happens especially in the mental space i mean uh mental health space is that we're looking for leaps and bounds in terms of recovery or in terms of the assistance in terms of you know the things that we get and in reality it's it's it's, it's a it's a it's a marathon remember uh it's something that you deal with every day so i would say one educate yourself but also be consistent in your approach don't be so thirsty or excited for for progress just 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 focus on the consistency aspect uh, aspect of it running out of breath <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know you're spitting but now I, I i definitely agree and, and I, I guess i think i have the solution for it but that's just been something that's very uh heavy on my mind um even just having a conversation with the young bucks knowing through everybody kind of going through that go through but really for myself personally seeing that whole situation with the capital um really opened up my eyes to a lot and it pissed me the hell off uh, more than I've been pissed off, right? Okay. Seeing the shooting, seeing the killings is one thing, but seeing the capital on a large scale where, I mean, I don't think there's no much, no, not, no too much more to be said, right? But just understanding that there's a lot of things in play that are our adversary at this point in time um, makes me really just wonder, like, why can't we come together and have the same collective mindset as well too right so Man, again maybe yeah i, I was gonna up? say marcus because you uh you posted something uh on social media the other day about um it was that 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 lady that was at like a police station with with a, with a firearm and she was shooting inside the police station man and she was yeah. able to basically get arrested and got a court date and you know we've seen people that look like us that didn't have that same luxury right um, but again, it's understand that this system is in place. And even in terms of like we talked about on our fear episode, when you get pulled over by the police, like, are we 
feeding into like are we fueling the system like are we being aggressive are we being defiant in those stops you know what i mean like are we playing into it but at the same time like don't be a fool like you know this is happening <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying so try to do what you can i think that's a problem where people they just turn a blind eye man it's like every every i think every person of color when they're stopped they're going to be nervous man like and whether you you mean to or not i don't think that we we play into the narrative I think a lot of times it's just like people they people turn the eye and think it doesn't exist. And and I deal with a lot in, in the military as well, man. It's like even when I went to basic training, man, it was dudes that I went to basic training with that had never seen black people in real life before. Mm, yeah. So, but these are the people you're putting in these type of positions. You know what I'm saying? So and then you have the like the the tiny man syndrome with a lot of cops too, where it's like, oh, well, he probably got bullied in high school and it gives him some type of authority and you see who you're up against. And a lot of times, like they might turn off their, their, their camera or whatever the case may be, man. It's a lot of things, even the, the situation where it was a dude in the military, he was an officer in the military and he got done dirty, man, like by a cop. And I'm like, bro, he, he was in his uniform. Yeah, in his uniform. Didn't wrong. But yeah, that's, yeah, it, it's crazy, man. And it's definitely a tainted system. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a mentality, man. It's 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 just a collective mentality, and um, it's just one of those things that, like, as people, like, as a human race, like, we just have to do better because I think, like, black folks, they don't, we're not off the hook either. You know, it's times where we we say and do things that aren't necessarily helpful to another group, but it's just one of those things where, like, we just have to realize that we are stronger together in this thing of life. So what whether it's on a mental health front or it's just on an advocacy front. For just helping my brothers and sisters get forward like we just got to do better man because we are aware of the tainted systems like let's stop feeding into it let's combine and and you know contribute to it so that's a fact i agree i wholeheartedly agree man mm, mm, mm. nah i'm i'm right there with you as well man uh james i want to ask you you as well man what are some of the biggest things that you feel um attribute to the naive actions um, <laughs> of of this generation, right? That continues to keep us in the cycle. I think it's access, man. Um, they got access to a lot of stuff extremely early. Access to information, access to, uh, you know, the internet and activities. You know, they're growing up a lot sooner than we are. Um, they, they're listening to different types of music. They're seeing different things, man. Um, it's just it's just access, bro. Um, and it's also, I, I, unfortunately man it's the parenting also because um our parents wanted to give us everything because they didn't have it right and so because they have access and they have ease it, it gives them this uh what do, what do you want to call it um not necessarily entitlement but this this thought process that things should come easy because it's been easy for them and that's not not for everybody obviously right but there is a particular group that's like you know, they've been coddled, they've been parented a certain way. So um, I would say access and then, you know, as our parents have to take some responsibility in that as well. But then it's also not on the parent because you can give it's almost like being a coach and you coach a player a specific way. They still have to go out in the game and execute the plays that you taught. them. So I'm not saying that it's 100 percent on the parent also, um, but I do think that the parents play a bit of a role in that and lack thereof in terms of like the development um, of what some of the youth are doing. Nah, that, that's spot on. And Alex, I would ask you just being a parent, right? How, how many, how many young ones do you have? Three. Yeah, three little beautiful girls, man. And all girls, right? 
Yeah, all girls. Boy, I thought I was a girl, Dad. You got me beat something serious, boy. Man, what what do you, what do you do, man? Being the huge mental health advocate you are, like, what type of measurements are you putting in play to protect them? You know, from this generation and all the other things that you see that uh, are tainted aren't aren't really for the positive that they are eventually gonna get exposed to, right? What especially, does that look like? Especially with them being, you know, women, like especially with them being young women. Yeah, it is it's definitely hard, man. But what I will say, like, uh, just to piggyback off of what he said, that the, the social media aspect of things is is, is huge right now. Um, I definitely have to we, we have to watch the screen time, you know, speak affirmation, be the examples because, um, you know, my wife is in the house, too. So she showing them what it what it what it is to be a, a, a lady. And then me just showing them how to be loved and, and how to be able to express those feelings and um, being transparent, like not being scared. Because, like, you know, growing up, I, I done got hit with, you know, some some extension cords and, and things of that nature. But nowadays it's kind of like you, you want to love on your, your, your child because everybody like you as, as, as life is going on, bro, you, you, you start to appreciate time and how seeing everything going on in the news, bro, you, you'd rather love on them and teach them the way that they should go rather than, you know, being abusive and things of that nature but um so i definitely do the the reaffirming and you know telling them feelings and 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 instilling the discipline and the right things into them to, to how they should carry themselves and what not to do and how to carry themselves as black like young black people not even just women because i can't teach them how to be a woman but just as as a young black like person in america man so i think it takes a lot of that like a lot of instilling morals and values into them because the world it's cruel, man. And and then, like you said, I got girls, bro. So, yeah, they it's a, it's a different beast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can relate, man. I can relate. Me and Avery have a lot of conversations, and yeah, that's social media. Um, I do not like her watching reels on YouTube um, at all. Not for real, man. We, we be kicking, and I'm like, hey, what, what the hell she just say? Like, I'm talking about, and, and, it, and it's wild. And I almost think it's, like, set up to taint our youth. Like, for real, for real. I think there's a bunch of different uh, logistical components that come in play to be able to expose our youth to different things. Because as I was reflecting before this conversation, man, and even when I was being like raised, there was so many things that I saw that my parent never knew that I saw, but I went out the way to find and like uncover. And I'm thinking then I didn't even have access to half the stuff my daughter got exactly. access to now. Exactly. Like it's almost to the point where I want to take her tablet back that she get ready to get, get for Christmas. It's like, where is that? What's that thin line look like, man? So yeah, I, I definitely feel that hundred percent. Bro, you took it just, just from the aspect of like access and technology and just things like that. Like, bro, like, we used to think we were finessing if we stole $10 from somebody. You know what I'm saying? These young bucks is cracking cards and scamming folks, like, for hundreds of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars. So it's, it's a whole new ball game, bro. It's a whole new ball game. And then, like you said, Marcus, bro, like, they could be watching YouTube, and, and then the the ads don't even go with the YouTube video. And you're like, bro, what, bro. what, are, you, what are you watching? Like, there's no way you type this stuff in to, for these people to be talking like this. Yeah. And Watching um, what's the little guy's name? I think his name is Ryan. He plays with toys, bro. She got uh, a yeah, room full yeah. of Ryan, Ryan's world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a room full of a room full of toys. Don't play with him, but she watched a little boy play with toys, and it was a girl up there talking crazy. I was like, bro, what what is that? And yeah, I, yeah. So I definitely have to, to monitor that that, bro. So yeah, I definitely um empathize with you there, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. 
Gotta gotta keep your hand on the swivel, man. But um, again, it, it's beautiful. Not not to take away from from the beautiful component that the life is. I was actually rapping with uh one of one of my mentors that we work with at one of the schools, and I I was just kind of rapping with him, letting him know, yo, it's a lot of moving pieces. He's going on. He's like, Marcus, when the last time you just like took a walk? And I was like, damn, when is the last time I took a walk? Like, I don't, I couldn't even tell you. And he was saying it's just important to get back to the basics. Um life is so complicated and so complex because of the technologies and all the other things that we're exposed to being able to take it back to the root elementary components. Right. And he said, yo, you got a dog. Like that's an excuse for you just to go take a walk, go take some, go take some time for yourself. Um, I always thought just sitting on my porch meditating was worthwhile for me, but walking ain't nothing better than, than beating that natural, you know, flow of the blood, things of the nature. And it kind of just dawned on me like, damn, I've been overthinking it. Maybe I just need to go on a walk. <laughs> Yeah, break a little sweat out, get you them steps in. It definitely works, man. I, I noticed uh, after my knee surgery, I, I had to get back used to running, but running helps me, man. Like the morning I do PT with the guys, sometimes I take them on a run, but running has been very therapeutic to me, man. Um, but yeah, it just takes, like you said, it takes those times where you just need to get away and just, just to talk with yourself and be with your own thoughts because um, – regardless of you know how successful you are we're all still figuring it out man and i don't think anybody has all the answers and that's something that i i kind of struggle with because it was like man i should be here or i should be there or i should be able to do this but it's like bro i gotta come back down to myself and realize like bro you're good take some time take a breath meditate do what you gotta do to keep going so now nah, i definitely believe that you you need to take that time away man man that's 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 super real man i think um and just getting out and getting in nature, it always does something for us. I think the closer you get to nature, the closer you are to God type vibe. So I think it's super dope and uh, super spot on from both of y'all. But, um, man, as we, we start to kind of close out, Alex, like what advice would you give someone that's on that mental health journey and they're, they're kind of at a crossroad? They're like, I don't know if I should seek help. I don't know if I should keep it into myself because I ain't really got nobody to talk to. Like what advice would you give somebody in that position? Um. <clears throat> I would say if, if if it's a thought, if you need help or not, you should probably seek help because um, mental health, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Mm. So um, I say don't don't be afraid to feel your emotions. Um, I said before in one of one of my mental health talks is like I, I try to feel every emotion every day. So that way I know I'm being intentional with my emotions. Mm-hmm. And when you're intentional with your emotions, you know that you're trying to take care of your mental health. But don't be afraid to get help. Like feel your feelings. But if it's a thought, like also hold yourself accountable and, and go get help. Even if it's just a talk to see if you need to um experience it. Because like therapy, I didn't I was never really a fan of therapy, bro, until I actually went and I was like, hmm, this might be all right. You know, I, I get to chill and, you know, people get to tell me about myself. I'm, I'm, I'm real big on constructive criticism. But, you know, when that stuff, when you hear it from somebody else, bro, it's kind of like it hits different. Yeah. yeah so I think um, just feel your feelings. And if you do think that you need help, don't don't have a, a problem seeking it. And then, like like Marcus said earlier, man, the village, build a village, um, have those people that you can talk to um, that will hold you accountable to get help. Because a lot of people, they won't get help just because they've never done it before. It's unfamiliar and it's uncomfortable. Like I said, the conversations are uncomfortable. So um, we always want to do what we always did. But if you always do what you always did, you're going to get what you always got. So I um, 
I, I hey, think say, you, say that. I say that one more time. I like that. <laughs> you do what you always did. You're gonna get what you always got. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you if you have to think about it, man, get help, seek help, even if it's just a conversation with somebody the, uh, that you need to confirm that maybe you 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 um you do need help. So yeah, man, um, that's that's the advice I would give. I love it. I love it. Well, as always, man, gotta give you your flowers. I appreciate you being an advocate. I appreciate you uh, always being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and I appreciate you welcoming the awkward conversation that most see as awkward, but is beyond necessary for the collective. Sincerely, man. So oh, yeah. thank you for joining us, Alex. Sincerely, I appreciate you, brother. All right. No problem, man. It's all love. All right, man. Uh, let's grow together, family, man. As always, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, tap into the podcast everywhere you get your podcast. Please follow me. Um, at jturner0121 my guest Marcus at mastermind underscore Marcus and then um, you can follow our guest you see his his, his uh, social media is there man but man Alex we appreciate you tapping in with us um, we truly appreciate you taking your time having a conversation that's really need to be had man especially amongst us uh, you know our black folks um, and again three black men on the conversation having uh, a talk about mental health super important super needed and we need to keep being advocates man um, so again, oh, we yeah. appreciate you. No problem, man. It's a beautiful thing. All right, salute, y'all. Salute. Till next time, All right. family. All right, man.